11, the Apostle Paul writes and tells us, For I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this, often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We saw that in baptism, the sign that was given to us is, this is what God must do in order for you to have fellowship with him, in order for you to know him in order for you to be able to walk with him. This is what God must do. The Lord's Supper shows us something else. The sign of the Lord's Supper says, this is how God has done it. This is how God does this. So on the one hand, we're told you must be cleansed, and God says, I'm going to cleanse you if you look to me in faith. How does that take place? It takes place through the holy life and the holy sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are shown bread which is broken. I mean, many of us have seen this over and over again. Some churches actually practice communion once a week. And what we have here is the bread broken and the wine poured out. And it's absolutely clear from what the Lord Jesus Christ tells us when he instituted the supper with his disciples. He said when he held the bread, this is my body given for you. And the wine poured out. This is the cup that is poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. Now just to be clear, let's understand that the old covenant was a covenant of perfect obedience. It was inaugurated in the garden. When man was first made, man had relationship with God, he had a sense of God, he was to walk with God, and God gave a probation. He said, you shall not eat of the tree the knowledge of good and evil. But man and woman in the garden ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At that point, the probation completed what it was supposed to do. It was either supposed to prove the ability of man to obey God or to prove his miserable failure. That was the end of the old covenant right there. From that point forward, there's nobody who can walk faithfully with God. Nobody. It doesn't matter if you're a church member. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how many clubs you belong to. It doesn't matter, you know, how well you've taken care of your family. That will not get you to heaven. God says, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. And part of that is because we have fallen into an estate of sin. I said this a couple of weeks ago, but it always bears mentioning We're not sinners because we sin. 
We sin because we're sinners. Our estate is one of ruin. Our estate is one of having imploded and being unable to do anything but sin. That's our estate. And what Jesus says is the new covenant, the new covenant is fully a covenant of grace, something you don't deserve, something that we shouldn't ever really get, something that we can't possibly earn. And that new covenant is, God says, I will pour out my grace because my son has shed his blood for you. It's how God is able to wash us. Because all the sins that we deserve have been lifted from us, laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and then Jesus willingly took them, and for the joy set before him, endured the shame of the cross. And then God poured out his wrath for our failure to obey. Jesus took that. He received it, and he received it gladly because he loved us. He loves us now. And so when Jesus holds forth bread and cup and says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, it's the recognition that his blood, his shed blood, the offering up of his life, is the means by which God is able to cleanse us. It's how he does it. And really... That new covenant was inaugurated in the garden when God made a promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And then God clothed the man and the woman with skins. It's God who did all of that. And all of that was a promise It was a promise that God would, in fact, do this in the time that he appointed. And that time was when Jesus came. Now, every time we break bread, we sometimes think, well, that's really the sign to us. But I'm going to say to you, it's not so much in breaking the bread, although that's part of the sign. It's in handing the bread to us. Jesus gives us his life. And it's not so much in pouring out the wine or the, the fruit of the vine. It's in giving the cup to us and in us receiving the cup. It's in the giving and the receiving. Here's why. What do we do with bread? We eat it. What do we do with wine? We drink it. We take it into ourselves and it gives us nourishment and strength and life. And that's why the sign is so significant. It says that you must take Christ into yourself in order for you to have life. You must take Christ into yourself and drink of him as the well of salvation in order to have the eternal life that he promises. This is what God must do. And this bread and this cup is how God does it. As many as receive the Lord Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That's not the end of it. We don't ever just do this at home 
and say it's a sacrament. You know, I happen to live alone. When I break bread and have a cup of wine, that doesn't mean I'm having a sacrament. It just means I'm eating bread and wine. But when we do it together in community, it's a recognition that Christ redeemed a company of people to claim as his own. He gives us life. He gives us life as we receive him and feed upon him and live in him. And it's done in open community. We don't do this in secret. This isn't some secret rite that we do and uh, people have to figure out what the secret knowledge is. This is right on the surface of Scripture. It's right embedded in the public practice of every church. This is not done in secret. This is done in open acknowledgement and open participation. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And so that's what we have displayed for us. And it's one of the reasons why we say, if you have known that the Lord is your Savior, your Savior, not just the generic Savior of the world, but your Savior, then come partake of the table. If you don't know that, it's wisest to let the elements pass and learn what it means for God to love his people and take care of them. But it's more than just a sign. These are seals. They are seals for the ones who truly have come to know the Lord. What does that mean? Well, we've probably all seen something like a seal. Um, You probably have seen a wedding invitation where the wedding invitation has on the back of the envelope a little gold seal that's placed right over the edge of where the envelope closes. And sometimes that seal is stamped to show you that it might be officially from the couple who's getting married, or it might be officially from the family who uh, wants you to come participate. A seal in the ancient world was a piece of wax. What they would do, a king would write up a proclamation, or the king would write up a decision or a declaration. He would roll up the parchment, it would be tied with a string, and they would put a clump of wax right over that piece of string where it was tied. And then the king would take his signet ring and he would stamp the wax so that it would be known that this is authoritative communication from the king. This is the king's property. And this is the king's property that is designated for a certain party and that nobody else better open it. Nobody else better claim it. That happened all over in the ancient world. Nobles, kings were often, they wore around their neck or in a ring on their fingers, some kind of an engraved symbol that was a signet that when they made a decision, they would stamp it. So much so that we have the picture of Pharaoh taking his signet ring and giving it to Joseph so that Joseph could write decrees in the name of the Pharaoh. Or where Esther took the king's signet ring and gave it to her uncle Mordecai so that he could make decisions on behalf of the king in Persia. Or where Daniel took the king's signet and signed proclamations. John records this. Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father has set his seal. It's on Christ that God has set his seal. Christ is the authoritative, authentic message to us from God. And Paul's willing to carry that further. It's God who establishes us with you in Christ. He has anointed us. He has placed his seal upon us, even as he has given us the Holy Spirit. So for each of you who have come to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, for each of you who have trusted him to wash away your sins and to have professed this true faith in Christ, if you participate in this table... God is saying, here is the seal of your faith. This is the authentic, authoritative marker that I will fulfill my promises in you. And I am fulfilling my promises in you. Which is why we are told in 2 Timothy, the Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. We had seven young people go through a communicants class. We said that it would be eight weeks. Thirteen weeks later, they finally finished. And then they met with the elders in order to give a testimony of their own knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We met with them, various elders uh, and myself met with them, and uh, they have... um, professed faith, they have given a credible profession of faith, they get this morning to become communing members of the church. Now, they've been members because of baptism, they've been included in a number of people that are in the church, but now they get to be full participating members. They have come to a sort of an adulthood in being able to come and take communion. And so we are going to officially receive them as communing members, whereas before they might have been non-communing members. And uh, they get to take their first communion this morning. That's why we reserve this for today. I'm going to ask that seven young people come forward. Greta Dwyer, Eli Keegan, Braden Lehman, Ryan Lehman, Nicholas Lehman, Sophia Noonan, Connor Weber, First of all, I commend these young people for finishing the class, even though we tried to cram it into eight weeks and couldn't do it. Congratulations. Good job. Secondly, I commend them because their testimony before the elders was a clear testimony of faith. Christ is working in their hearts. And while there were varying expressions of clarity in their faith, it would have been a real faith. And so we rejoice in that. We rejoice in you. We've been praying for